I think before I start, uh, I was just standing there at the back and I was thinking about this thought um, that I've, I think many of us have struggled with for not only uh, probably this past year, but I think um, in our lifetime there's this thing called suffering and this this thing called difficulties and circumstances. And I think one question that I believe every human being asks somewhere in your life is this thing of why? Why? Why suffering? Why difficulties? Why is this happening to my family? Um, and maybe you are visiting here and you are seeing a lot of people jumping up and down. Uh, this thing is feeding a little bit. Jumping up and down and doing kumbaya dances here in front and clapping hands. And you might be a visitor here. Um, and maybe you have been asking this very question um, to yourself. Um, why? And it might look like for the people... Um, that you are looking at and it's busy worshiping the Lord that they don't have suffering or they don't have things that they are going through and um, we always look at our own lives and we're like yes see why did I have to go through that and I want to and I, and I read the scriptures and there's so many actually that makes actually sense for me when I read the scriptures and speaks much of suffering um, because the Bible doesn't in a sense um, when it comes to suffering, it hits that thing straight in the middle and it says that suffering will not go away, but we find our hope in Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the real answer uh, in this life. And in this life, you might have suffering, you might have questions, you might even, till you die, have this question of why. I want to say that pain and suffering is because of one thing, that there's something wrong with this world, and that is sin. Sin is wrong with this world. And ultimately, sin points to that there's something wrong. And from there on, it gives us a solution. And the solution is Jesus Christ. So if you're here and you're struggling with this thing of why in your life, I just want to encourage you to go to the person of Jesus and it will make sense um, to you. Amen. Like a, I'm going to pray um, and then we're going to go from there. Father, we do thank you. Um, yeah, for 2022, um, Lord Jesus, <laughs> uh, we, we are thankful for another year, Lord Jesus, where we can be as a family together and, and worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the great I am. And Father, we, and I prayed in the prayer meeting before, and Father, we want to be a church that makes much of Jesus, makes much of Jesus individually, but corporately, God, we want to lift up your name. Amen. Start my timer. So, my name is Henry. I'm married to Brigitta. Yeah, in the flower dress in the middle. Not Geetan. I know he's a celeb. He was on, on TV yesterday. We got the privilege to go watch the rugby game. And Nico took a video of us clapping hands. And, yeah, it was quite fun. Uh, but I'm married to Brigitta. Uh, we've been married almost two years now. Uh, we've been a part of this congregation for about four months. It feels like forever, but it's only four months. We've been with you guys. We came from Wellington, um, far, far away. Javi, see your more says, see? your pa says. And I think when, um, 
when you get to know me, I'm quite a, quite a systematic guy and I love to do preachers that are quite from A to B to C to D and go through certain things and take different topics of the Bible and elaborate on that and even to take those things and tell stories about it. Last time I spoke about when I was awake and they cut open my stomach and crazy stuff. Um, but today I, wanna, I, I really felt the Lord take me into another direction and... To, and that's why I have notes. I never have notes. Um, and write down what I believe the Lord has been speaking to me um, for us as a congregation. And it's something that I, I, felt, I feel very um, not equipped to preach on. I feel I'm a baby or a toddler on this very thing. And I think many of us, when we look at this, we're going to feel like, I that you need to start the year of that thing. Um, and it is this thing that I've been asking for not only week in and week out and month in and month out and year in and year out, but it's this thing, Lord, teach me how to pray. Because I've been serving you nine years, almost ten years. Lord, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to be close to you. Teach me how to uh, connect with you on a level that is, is beyond what I can ever comprehend in my mind. And I believe prayer is something that is not only foundational, but it's, it's fundamental to our Christian faith. It is something, in a sense, when we look at prayer, we would put it in a category of it's the basics. It's the basic things. But yet, if we look at our modern church, it's one of the most neglected things in the church today. And it's actually quite scary. And what I want to do, I want to look at Scripture and look at what the Lord says, and look at what the Bible says, and, and let that convict us today. And like I said, I'm also learning from this, and as I'm going through the Scriptures, and as I'm wrestling with the life of Jesus, and wrestling through the Scriptures, I'm, I'm very convicted. I'm very convicted because I believe the Lord is calling us as a church to a higher standard when it comes to prayer. So what I want to do is, I want to look at... Jesus. And when I consider Jesus, I believe when I, when I looked at the scriptures and when I looked at Jesus praying, okay, I read the different scriptures, I read the different prayers, but when I looked at the scriptures and read it, I believe it must have been a miraculous event. When Jesus was praying, I believe it was bigger than the Justin Bieber concert coming up. Really, my, 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 my wife loves Adele, okay? I believe it's bigger than an Adele concert, okay? I really believe, I know there's some big guys like Ulrich here. Um, I'm joking, he's small. Um, <laughs> like Ulrich here, and I know Ulrich loves rugby. I believe the 1995 World Cup and the 2019 World Cup and all the World Cups that we have won doesn't even come close to an event that witnessing Jesus pray. And I think it's big statements that I'm, that I'm making today, and you're like, oh, Henry, it's just praying. It's just getting together and singing Kumbaya. But I think what we are busy missing is who is busy praying. And I want to take us all together, and I want to ask us to imagine a little bit with me that Jesus, the eternal God, great, awesome, all-powerful, all-knowing, eternal Son of God that has been ever existing before the foundations of the world, that, is, that was never created, 
that couldn't be captured in time because, because he, nobody created God. He's always been there, he's always here, and he will always be, became a human, the form of flesh. And as he was here, he said, let I, God, take time and speak to God. That the two ever existing, perfect unity, perfect relationship, people or persons of the Trinity, taking time, pausing, and speaking to one another. And I want to ask us, how could that have been? That God took time for God and spoke to one another. What was their conversations about? What was the intimacy level? Because they have been in a perfect relationship always. Taking time and saying, Daddy, I want to speak to you. I want to chat with you. And if we consider this, it must have been a fascinating divine event. I think the disciples and I think all of us, when we look at the person of Jesus and we look at the ministry of Christ, there was many times where the disciples had opportunities to ask Jesus many questions. And I can remember on one instance as I was prepping this that, that they were casting or trying to cast out a demon but they couldn't. And they, are, they didn't ask Jesus how to cast out demons, but they said, Jesus, why can't we do this? And he explained to them. But they never asked him, how do we cast out demons? That's quite a cool question to ask. Like, how do I, like, bam, and people, demons just go. Or I see, where's the crutches? I saw the crutches. There we go. She slipped in the sea. She tripped over a shell or something like that. And she tore a ligament um, in, her, in her ankle. We can pray for you. I, I told her I'm going to pray for her. But I think a good question to ask Jesus is, Jesus, how do we perfectly 100% heal the sick always? Because you have quite a good track record. <laughs> you actually interrupt funerals and raise the dead. How do we do that? And we could, and we do pray this many times. We ask Jesus, Jesus, how can I fulfill my greatest ministry here on the earth? God, what do you call me to do for you? But actually, it's just about me. What can I do for you? Or we ask, I look to and through the world, the four corners of the earth. Who is my wife? That's good questions to ask, but they never ask that. Some of us ask that daily. Not going to name names. <laughs> but I think they had many opportunities to ask God questions. But the one thing that they did ask Jesus, and we, we know where, we did, where this is leading, um, in, John, uh, in Luke 11, they said, Jesus, just after Jesus was praying, they looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us. To connect with the Father the way you connected with the Father. We want what you have. We want intimacy. We want closeness. We want relationship. Because something in their hearts was beating for that very thing. And I want to say why. Why? Because I believe that all of us sitting here were created for one thing and one thing only. And that is relationship. That is intimacy. Intimacy. 
with God. And there's no such thing as relationship without communication. They were longing. Something in their hearts was longing for something that they were designed for, and that is closeness with the Father. And I think many of us are quite smart here. That's why every time I come up here, I'm very intimidated. And I told Matthias, he was driving with us and my wife, I don't know why I'm always nervous when I'm preaching or standing in front of Stellenbosch PM. I think it's because you guys are smart or something. You have degrees and studying things. And, and I think sometimes that's the very thing that gets in the way when we read the scriptures. That when we look at the Lord's Prayer and when we look at... Um, the, in a sense, manual of how should we pray when Jesus um, was teaching them, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done. And then we start to climb into our systematic brains and into our theological brains and we want to start to unpack what does this mean for us? How do I make sense of call, calling God my Father? Or to what measure do we have the kingdom here? And I think we missed the whole point. That it's not only what he prayed, but it's who is busy praying and to who is he busy praying. That the intimacy that Jesus had with the Father, we sometimes miss. Because we're so in our bubbles and we miss actually what the scriptures are saying. I want to ask us, you, and it's a quote that I, that I wrote down here, that you might know, know the Word of God. You might even be able to quote the Word of God and even, even recite that whole prayer. You might know the Word of God, but do you know the God of the Word? That the very Scriptures points to Jesus. It isn't God. And I might be stepping on toes here. The Bible is not God. But it is God's word, and it points towards God himself. Let us not get lost in missing Jesus in our pursuit of trying to understand the Bible. There's a saying that the engine room of the church, or even any Christian, is the prayer meeting. Or the inner room where we close our door with Jesus. And I believe Jesus, and this, I truly believe this is biblical, that Jesus would echo that and say, Amen. That the church and the Christian is called to a life of prayer. Called to a life of intimacy. And I want to look at the scripture, Matthew 21 verse 13, uh, in the ESV version. Jesus said to them, He said to them, It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And when we read this in the context where Jesus was busy saying this, this was just after he chased out the Christians of that day out of the temple. Why? Because what they were busy doing was actually quite a good thing. They were busy selling um, things to be sacrificed as a sacrifice before the Lord. So people could come to the temple, they could buy the birds, they could buy the sheep, they could buy what they wanted, and they can start to make sacrifices to the Lord, and that would be an honorable thing to God and pleasing to God. But then we find Jesus flipping over tables, in a sense losing his mind, and starting to make a whip of cords and starting to beat people out of the temple. 
And I think sometimes we struggle with this Jesus. And we need to ask that question, why? And it's because of these people doing certain things for own gain. These people were selling things for their own gain and not for the glory of God. My house shall be called a house of prayer, not a house of your own glory and your own gain. God has called us for His glory and for His um, um, magnif magnifying Jesus and to make Him great. He has called us to be called as a house of prayer. Each one of us sitting here, a house of prayer. But I think when we come to the church, what are we known as? And I, and I must say, I'm quite fearful to go within the next two pages. Because I think sometimes when we come to church, if that fits us, if we don't want to take a break, because Sundays are Sabbath, right? We rest there. Sometimes we rest from church. True. And then when we do come from church, we come in here and we become professional Christians. We greet, we smile, we fit apart, we even raise our hands. But on the other side, we become professional commentators of what's busy happening here. Oh, Henry is not, oh, yes, he, he's not even focusing on point system and I, I can't follow him. What is he actually saying? Why are they letting a deacon preach? Shouldn't elders preach? They're like the holy ones. Or even looking at the worship and we're like, yes, see, that was a bit too loud. Nick's voice. Oh, my hat, my ears. True. It's too loud for me. And others of you are like, yes, see, such a lukewarm church. I wish they can worship more extravagant. But we become professional commentators as we watch everything going on here and we miss Jesus. We miss that this should be called a house of prayer. Intimacy with the Lord. Intimacy with God himself. And we miss that sometimes. I want to look at a person in the Bible that I've come to admire very much. And it is, his name is Daniel. And that's where we get the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And I want to read uh, with you guys um, Daniel 6 verse 1 to 5. And... It pleased Darius, I think that was the king of the time, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. And just for the Afrikaans people, I also didn't know what that means. Um, that was a, I wrote it wrong, a provincial governor of that time. Okay? In Greek, it's also a provincial governor and also in Hebrew. Okay, so it's like a leader of that time. And... He set over the kingdom 120 leaders or 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials, over whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps would give account so that the king might suffer no loss. So we have the king, we have the three leaders underneath him, and then we have the 120 satraps and probably thousands of people underneath them. Um... Then Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So Daniel was about to get a massive promotion here. Okay? Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regards to the kingdom. 
but they could not find they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him so they were they were becoming jealous of him because he was a faithful man to the king he was a man that was actually such a great leader that the king looked at them and they say i can trust this man even with my whole kingdom that was a big promotion i think that must be a busy job eh? really it's like a ceo of the company and then you're leading 120 people and that 120 people represents hundreds of people underneath them that's quite a big ceo of that time then these men said we shall not, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his god and it's me such an amazing thing that although he is known as a great leader a faithful man that is known for this very thing and they know they can catch him out only in one thing and that's in his connection with his relationship with the father i want to say when people will catch you out what are you known for for a hard worker for excellent student for excellent employee or community leader if they can catch you out for one thing will it be for your relationship with god and then we know after this that the famous um, story unfolds where these men said we're going to find something against daniel and what they did is they spoke to darius and said you must sign this letter or this document and this document would say that everybody in the kingdom must worship you for 30 days and if they don't do that they must go into the lion's den and after that we read in verse 10 and 11 the following unfold when daniel knew that the document had been signed he went to his house we had a window we had windows praise the lord in his upper chamber open towards jerusalem he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his god as he had done previously verse 11 then these men came by agreement and found daniel making petitions and plea before his god this was not something new for daniel it was something that when we read the scripture it is something that is always done three times a day praying to god we don't know when in that busy schedule you could fit in that we just fit it in 15 minutes sometimes in the morning but praise the lord he had more time than us that he could come before the lord three times a day and when persecuted and when come came against and when this document came out he went before god and not only in a secret room close your door and pray in secret and your heavenly father will reward you in public no 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 he prayed at the window where everybody could see him three times a day continually praying petitions before the lord he was known as a man of god nine years ago i preached my first preach um, at a youth group in wellington and i started off my preach with the following quote because i thought when when doing preachers you always need a quote because you sound smarter okay and the guy leading the youth uh, it's one of leonard's also good friends christopher he leads the church in bonnyvale he loves to make up his own quotes and i thought that is the most spiritual thing i can do with starting off a preach um, make my own quote and here's my quote that i started off that preach and i said 
show me your prayer life and I will show you where you are in your relationship with God. Show me your prayer life and I will show you where you are in your relationship with God. Because I believe prayer is the great equalizer with all of us. I can preach the greatest preach and I can go to the word of God and do a great expository teaching and go line by line and do perfect hermeneutics and even use great and big words in front of people that don't even know what it means. And then get home and never pray and never connect with God. That's why all of us can come here and fake it till we make it and one day we get to heaven and the Lord says, I never knew you. Depart from me. Because I never knew you. I never knew you. I never had intimacy with you. Prayer is the great equalizer for all of us. Show me your prayer life and I'll show you where you are with God. And it's scary, the following verse, John 5, verse 30, when I read this, it says the following, and this is Jesus praying, and he says, I can do nothing on my own. That's enough. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is God himself saying, I do nothing out of my own accord, but I go to the Father and I do only what I see the Father is doing. It is scary how much of Christianity we can do without God. How far we can do it, how much we can look like a Christian without God. How we can come to church, even do a, come to a community and we, and we smile and we go on and we do certain things. But can you say this, that I do nothing out of my own accord. I only do what I see the Father is busy doing. That I get in front of God and I have such a relationship with God that I know the heart of the Father and He knows mine. That I know I'm a sinner saved by grace in need of mercy and I'm weak. And many times I'm wicked and I need God. All of us needs God, or do we carry on? Or when we take Jesus out of your life, will you even notice it? When we look at the life of Moses, God actually made a great promise to him and said that when you go on, I will send the an angel and you will enter into the promises that I had for you. That the people of God would finally enter into the promises that I have for them, but I'm not going to go with you guys. And Moses said, Lord, if you do not go with us, we will not move from this place. Stalamosh PM, I want to call us to a higher standard, all of us sitting here. I want to call us to a place that if God doesn't go with this church, if God doesn't go with us individually, our going is in vain. But I think even scarier, many of us, are staying and Jesus is going and we're also missing him. The Lord is calling us to more, maybe to reach out, to speak to your family. My family is sitting right here. My mom, she's my biggest fan. But I know when my mom looks at me, she knows what I stand for. I don't go left or right or up or down and one day I'm like this and the other day I'm that. She knows I'm a Christian. I've been living it for the past eight, nine years. Before that, I was a good sinner. I was a Philistine. But now, 
I believe I'm true before, I'm, I don't lie, I don't do all of those things, and I, and I try to represent Jesus the best of my possibility as I can, and following Him and being obedient towards Him. And I think all of us are called to that place, then when Jesus says, go to your family, show, show Jesus, go to your friends, go here, go there, following Him, being in step with the Spirit, we should be those that says, Lord, if you go, I go, if you stay, I stay. I believe the Christian is called um, to two things. You guys still okay? Are you sure? Okay. I want to take a sip of this. I always forget my water, and my tears reminded me, Henry, remember your water, because your throat gets so dry when you preach and you speak. But I believe the Christian is called to two different things. Number one, to know God. And secondly, to be dependent on Him. We are not called to be dependent on ourselves, but only on God. I want to read us John 5, verse 39 to 40. It says the following. And this is in relation to knowing God. You, and He was speaking to the Christians or the very religious people of that day. So we can take this quite to ourselves if you consider yourself a religious person or somebody that call themselves a Christian. You search the scriptures, you search the Bible, you read it, because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I think the most scariest thing, but also one of the most blessings that we have is knowledge information. We live in a generation that has the most knowledge available to all of us here by a click of a button. Tiny Google knows everything. If you want a question, even if you don't even know where the verse is, you can just paraphrase it there and somehow you'll find it. And I think this very thing of knowledge and this very thing of understanding and trying to gain knowledge and information and trying to make sense of life is the very things that we are busy drowning in because we think that without Jesus knowledge will save us without relationship that will save us I believe the Lord is calling us to a place that he is the lifeline for all of us drowning in knowledge and in another country in another town I might say something else but we live in Stellenbosch where we are in a university town and everything is about knowledge about growth about expanding um, what I know and I love knowledge I love the word of God and I and I do believe I want to follow it as much as, as as closely as possible as I can sometimes I mess up miserably and I repent and I say Lord help me to follow your word but not at the cost of losing you that I make laws and boundaries and things, and I miss Jesus. I miss the person of Christ. The Lord has called us to great and deep intimacy. And I'm hammering this the whole time because this is the, the essence of prayer. It's relationship. It's connection. It's coming close. It's being with God. It is intimacy with Him. When last have you come to a place of closeness with Him? Because the next thing that it shows is dependency. I believe prayerlessness shows pride. 
prayerlessness is pride. Why? Because you're dependent on yourself. You believe you don't need Jesus and you can do it. You don't need to pray. You don't need to bow your knees because you can do it. But on the other hand, praying shows humility and dependency on God. It shows a heart that says, God, I'm weak. I'm fragile. Kopiak, eight psalms, Lord. <laughs> really. Many times I need to sit with leaders here and saying, yes, you guys, I'm, I'm struggling. And sometimes that shows humility. We need to do that with the Lord as well. Not only with people, but with God. We sometimes try to puff ourselves up and say, I can, I can do this. I can do this. The Lord never called you to do it. He did it already. He's the victorious one. He's the one we can come to. I'm almost done. Mark 1, verse 35. This is just after Jesus had a massive ministry trip. And rising very early. This is bad news for those loving to sleep. <laughs> I'm an early guy, so this doesn't hurt me. But for some of us, this is the closest thing to suffering. <laughs> rising very early in the morning. And here it comes. While it was still dark. He, Jesus, departed and went out in a desolate place, and there he prayed. When last did you slip away to be with Jesus? When last did your heart, there's, there's a scripture, I read it there at the back while we were worshiping, that, that our spirit in us, or the all creation, is groaning for the revealing of sons and daughters. And my one prayer in worship was, Lord, put back the groaning in the heart of this church, the, the leaping in our hearts to say, God, I just want one minute to slip away. Just a moment to say, God, I miss you. Because he is saying that, I miss you. I want you. Come close. And I'm not speaking about your 15-minute, half-an-hour quiet time. During the day, during your stu studies, during why you're busy eating a meal, are you attentive to the voice of God to slip away? Going to the bathroom and, I don't know, fake a pee-pee or something, sitting there or standing, whatever you do, in the bathroom and saying, Lord, I miss you. I want to be close to you. Responding to the cry of God to you. And to the groaning that your spirit longs, that there's a hunger and there's a thirst in you. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be satisfied in Christ. Jesus knew this, that his spirit will never be satisfied if he didn't go out. When the busyness of life will hit him, when the day would start, no, I'm, I'm more fresh in the evenings, Henry. Sure, buddy, you're tired in the evenings as well. We can debate all you want when, when we need to do a quiet time, when we need to do that. That's not what I want to do. I want to, I want to ask us, when lost, if your heart long to be with Christ? Continually. Not only in the mornings, not only in the evenings. Continually. Desiring to slip away from the busyness and the chaotic life that we live in. And say, Lord, here I am. That shows dependency. And there's something that I read in an article this week. It was the dependency of Jesus that was revealed to us in his prayer life. 
that brought about obedience, okay, in his prayer life, it shows dependency and strength was found in Christ. And that led, with that strength of Jesus, uh, with that strength of the Father and the Spirit, led to obedience and ultimately led to the victory on the cross. It was through prayer that the victory was won in the garden. Jesus, not, Jesus prayed, not my own will, but your will. Lord, take this cup from me. I don't want this. I don't want to die. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to do these things, Lord. And he prayed to the Father and he cried out and there was suffering in his heart. And he asked, why, 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 why? And in prayer, it was answered and the victory was won. Because he found the heart of the Father. And victory came in prayer. Leonard Ravenhill, um, a Christian that lived in the past, said once that when he looked at his congregation, he doesn't consider the people sitting in front of him as members, but only those that rocked up at a prayer meeting. Only those at the prayer meeting consider those to be members. And why he said that? Because it's only those that rocked up at the prayer meeting that there was something in their heart to say, Lord, if you do not rock up in this service, we're wasting our time. And if we apply that to our congregation, will we find members in this church? Will we find those that come earlier, and I'm not trying to advocate here, we need to pump our prayer meetings, we need to get more numbers. That's not what I'm trying to do here at all. Or even in our prayer meetings that we need to try to move the hand of God because you can't. But our dependency on Jesus and our connection to, the, to, to Him, that the branch will be connected to the vine, that dependency in prayer meetings, that, that, that connection to Him, shows the people not to move the hand of God, but His heart. That faith will come and say, God, I need you. I'm trusting for a congregation that 50 people will meet out here. 100 people, 150. In two or three weeks' time, this this place will be packed with over 200. Everybody will be back. But will we see 200 people standing here in the courtyard and saying, God, if you do not rock up, we never need to go into this building even and waste our time because we depended on you. Why did Jesus being fully man, why did he need to pray? Did he need to pray? And I think to an extent he was fully God, but he was also fully man. And yes, he needed to pray for strength and for guidance and for direction. But I think we're missing the point when we ask that question. I don't think Jesus only needed to pray, but he wanted to. Jesus wanted to pray. Jesus wanted to connect with the Father. Jesus wanted to slip away. And be close. Let us be called to this very thing. To this very thing. That we shall be called a house of prayer. A house of relationship. A house of connection with the Father. That when we are found, we will be found as a praying people. Not only in prayer meetings. Not only in our quiet times, but continually be found in connection and in relationship to Him. Amen? Let's pray.
and then I'm going to hand over to Leonard. Father, this is something that is extremely daunting on the one side, but on the other side, it warms my heart <laughs> that your heart beats for this very thing of prayer. That there's no, in a sense, major event in the Bible that didn't have prayer. That you prayed and you were transfigured on the mountain. You prayed and you saved the soul of Peter when the enemy tried to take it. You prayed in the garden and victory came. You prayed even on the cross while you were suffering. You were pointing to people and saying, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And God, you're still praying, interceding for your church. It says in the word, Father, may we be found to be a house of prayer, a house of connection, a house of relationship, continually approaching the throne of grace, finding mercy, finding love, finding the face of Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. And we thank you for you.